You want to do it? Yeah, could you do it? We're so ghetto. This massive freaking. Ready? Whoa, look how cool we are. So bright. I can't preach in this brightness. <laughs> How awkward would that be? <laughs> Paid a lot of money for that theology. Yeah, there it is. All right. Um, how do I start this? How do I usually do this? Uh, we're we're going through parables. Where uh, this is what week four? I think. Sounds pretty good. Uh, this week. We're going to do another parable. I think maybe next week we'll take a break. We'll see. But we're going to talk about some parables, uh, or frankly, one parable tonight. And um, this parable, Jesus talks about kind of the, uh, in our culture, American culture, we, we think who we affiliate with will make us that way. Make sense? If I want to be a part of that crowd, I'd be that I I get in that crowd. And you know, who I affiliate with is who we think we are. Does that make more sense? Yeah. Um or maybe better said, I think in American culture we define who we are based on who we affiliate with. That's better said. Mm, that makes more sense. But in kingdom culture. We are to just to affiliate with who he says that we are. Yes? That it doesn't really matter who we're hanging around with when it comes to kingdom culture. Okay? As long as we are the influencing party. Yes? Yes? You're either being influ you're either influencing or being influenced. That's the way it goes, yes? And I think oftentimes in, in American culture, we just and especially in American Christian culture, we say, well, I'm, I'm frequenting Christian things, so therefore I'm a Christian. Instead of the actual overflow and infatuation of my heart coming out of me saying, no, I, I live, breathe, move, and die by him and him alone. And in this parable, Jesus and I feel like to, 
to fully understand and turn to Luke chapter four, to fully understand what's going on in this parable. Did I say four or 14? Do 14. That's, that's actually what I'm in. In this, I think in this parable, I, I feel like we have to kind of set the scene before we get into the actual text. Okay. So in Luke chapter four, verse, uh, why do I keep on saying four? That is so annoying. In Luke chapter 14, verse 1, it says, On Sabbath he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees. Who's he? Good job. That's always the right answer in church, usually. 60% of the time, it works every time. Uh, one Sabbath, when he went to dine at the house of the ruler of the Pharisees, they were, they were, and they were watching him carefully. Okay, so to set the real scene, Jesus is at the table with Pharisees. Okay, he's not just like on his normal, you know, side of a hill or something, that is the way I picture it. He's not just like on a boat. He's not just somewhere. He's literally, he was invited by the Pharisees to sit at their table and to communion with them. Obviously, there was a little bit of ulterior motive here by the Pharisees. Yes, because they were watching him carefully. Yeah. And the first thing that he does is he heals somebody on the Sabbath at the Pharisee's table. Okay? He heals that person of dropsy, which is, I guess, a swollen face. I Sounds awful. I guess I am a victim of dropsy. Got it. <laughs> Thanks. So in verse 4, he heals the man. So he does. He kind of pushes the limits right away at their table. Yes? Not only on Sabbath, but he's also healing somebody on Sabbath. And he's, he, he, he's, the, he's the most honorable person at the table. Yes? But he decides to pick out the least honorable person at the table. Which is who? The dropsy person. Yes? Am I saying that right? Dropsy? I don't know. Who cares? Hey, I was right. What, uh, you can see it, yeah? Verse 4? Edema? Thing Nemo was having a hard time with? <laughs> yeah. And what's interesting about this whole entire scene is Pharisees loved honor, right? That was what they sought after more than anything in the world. Yes, they wanted to be seen. They wanted to be recognized. They wanted all of the titles, all of the positions, all of the things, all the seats at the table. Yes. And he doesn't highlight the ruler of the, of the Pharisees who is hosting. He highlights the least. And it launches him into all of these parables or these two parables that he's sitting at this table. And, 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 and discussing, okay? So uh, I want to read verses 7 through 14. Is that cool? You with me? Okay, so the first parable goes like this. Now he told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose places of honor, saying to them, verse 8, when you are invited by someone to a wedding, went to, to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, 
give your place to this person, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit the lowest place, so that when you so so that when your host comes, he may say, "Hey, friend, move up higher, right to a different position at the table." Then you will be honored in the presence of all those who sit at the table. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. In my family, if my grandfather's at the table, he's sitting at the head of the table, no matter what, even if it's not his house, right? Just the way my family operates. Right? Or if it's whoever's the oldest sits at the head of the table, right? Is anybody else's family like this? Oh, really? That's awkward. Yeah? You don't eat with people? I get it. Mm -hmm. So Jesus spoke to them about this where oftentimes. In Pharisee mindset, they rush to the head of the table. They rush to that highest honored seat. Yes? That's what they would do every single time. And Jesus is highlighting the least of these again, okay? We need to stop being a people who are just trying to impress others instead of impressing him. Yes? I think oftentimes our fear of man overrides our fear of God. Well, I need to worship hard in the front row so that everybody will see who I am. Or I need to worship hard in front of that cute girl or cute guy so that they see how holy I am. I need to impress. Oh, I, I know my parents are in the room, so I need to make sure, you know. All of these kinds of different thoughts, and maybe you're a little bit holier than me and you don't have these thoughts, but I have these thoughts. I struggle with them especially when they gave me that stupid pastor title, right? It's like, oh man, people are staring at me. I just need to shut up and worship, right? We need to stop worrying about the fear of man, of who's going to see us based on our, our status, our clothing, our whatever, our title, yes? Instead of, how am I being seen by the king of kings right now? How awkward would it be to be God sometimes in your mind while you're worshiping. Like, be honest with yourself. You're thinking about Chick-fil-A on a Sunday. You're thinking about all these different things. You're thinking about, oh man, did I wear too short of a shirt? You know, I dress for church so that my belly doesn't show when I lift my hands, right? All of these kinds of things, yes? How embarrassed would I actually be of my thought life of I, when I actually am worshiping? Am I actually thinking of him at all? Or am I thinking of, oh, I need to lift that right hand. A little, my, my hands are a little bit kiltered off, you know, or whatever it might be. Oh, I need to make sure that I'm hitting that harmony. Or, oh, I need to make sure that I'm on my knees because who knows who's looking. When it's actually supposed to be a posture of holy crap, the Lord is in the room and I need to behold him properly. See, the Pharisees struggled with this because they didn't understand who was at their table. They didn't understand who was in the room. 
or they refused to understand, maybe is a better, say it, better way of saying it. They were more focused on their status, more focused on who they, who they knew versus who was in the room. Are you with me? Are you with me? Yes? Come on, hang with me. You're okay. Okay? Who are we trying to impress? We've got to stop seeking prestige and seek lowliness, a.k.a. a place to serve. Right? I, I immediately, my mind immediately jumps to Jesus with the disciples at the table, at the communion table. Yes? He's the highest person of honor at that table. Yes? We might think some of the other guys were pretty cool and there might be heroes of the faith. Yes, sure. But he was the highest person of honor, yet he got on his hands and knees and started scrubbing feet. When he was actually entitled to have that act done to him by every single person in the room five times over. Yes? He understood that servanthood impresses God more than stature. He understood that being a servant of people impresses his father way more than his status of Messiah. That's a pretty cool status, Messiah. He understood his purpose. And sometimes I feel like we mix up our purposes and, and actually what we're called to be, right? We're such a, a seeking culture of the prophetic, which I'm not, I, I love the prophetic, don't get me wrong. But we're so, so worried about the prophetic of where I'm going in 20 years instead of where I'm at today. Where I'm being faithful today. Where the Lord has me today. Because today, right, Lucas, I could be a host at Cracker Barrel. Today I could be. That doesn't mean that 20 years from now I'm still going to be that same host, unless he tells me I'm going to be. Yes? It means I need to be obedient with where he's got me and serve. Do you understand that the, the closer you get to Jesus, the, 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 the more natural and the more of a byproduct all other things become? If I just focus on the king of Jesus, I guarantee I'll be blessed. But if I focused on my blessing, I lose sight of Jesus. Are you hearing me? If I focus on my prophetic word and not Jesus, I'm, I, I, the prophetic word becomes my God. Are you hearing me? No, this is so, you're like, well, come on, Lex. It's from the Lord. I get it. I get it. But I can't idolize a calling over him. I'm a son first, a father second. Yes? I'm a son first, a pastor second. Yes? If God wants you to serve on a wider scale, he will invite you into a higher place. He always does. It's kind of his, it's his currency, if I can use that language. If he wants me to influence more, I first need to be faithful in what he's trusting me today. Yes? I can't force anything. I really want you guys to grab this. I can't force it. So Jesus taught kind of two, I'll highlight two things of just this one parable. He spoke to the guests not to seek honor, but to seek service. 
Service is always more important than honor when it comes to my, my application, yes? Right? Okay. I will always honor the Lord first and serve him second. Okay? Does that make sense? Are you with me? Hello? You guys are wet wood tonight. Oh, man, this is brutal. Two, he addressed the host to not, ex- to not be exclusive to anybody, but to actually invite all. Yes? Okay? God opens his kingdom to all people. Okay? Cool, beautiful, beautiful thing, which we'll talk about in the second parable. Okay? Verse 11 is what I want to highlight before we move on to the second chunk. Okay? Verse 11 says, um, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. How do I humble myself? What's that look like? Anybody want to play? What does it look like to humble myself? I see two very deep breaths before they... What? Okay, cool. Okay. Does that mean reject self so that you can spend more time with others? Or is that like a self-deprecating thing? Okay, good. Okay, cool. Lucas? Beautiful. Like, how can I for myself, how can I value others' needs, like, at all times at work? Like, being, like, I would say, yeah, like, being selfish is something that kind of constantly the only way you can Truly. Truly. Some of us try to do this humble myself by just making my, my appearance look different. Right? Oh, I just, I won't wear the flash or, you know, whatever it might be. I'll just make my appearance look different, which is actually a fear of man problem, not a fear of God problem. Some also kind of go about it with a self-deprecating kind of way. Like, oh, I'm a piece of shit. But you're great, you know? I don't have to become lesser in order to encourage somebody. Yes? Because what I'm actually doing is saying, hey, look at me. Right? Yes? You realize that's what you're doing? (laughs) When you talk poorly about yourself, you are saying, look at me. And then, oh, cool, here's here's a little carrot. Right? Which, again, is another fear of man issue. True, humble people compare themselves only to Christ. Right? True humility comes from comparison to Christ. I have to realize my sinfulness and my limitations. And I need to compare myself against who Christ actually is, right? Because he's the honorable one. I'm not as hot stuff as I think I might be. Yes? Okay. Truly humble people also recognize their gifts and strengths and are used by Christ to show 
him, not me. I don't care how prophetic you are. If it's to boost your ministry, shut up and sit down. I don't care how flamboyant your tongues are. If it's not to edify your, the church and him, sorry, shut up and sit down. Do you get it? If you are Mr. Healer Boy, cool. I will applaud you all day long. But if you're trying to boost your ministry for it, bye-bye. Love you. Bye. Do you get it? We have to be saying, look at what the Lord did. That's our, that's our goal. Look at what the Lord did. Yes? I need to honor him. It's a privilege that I get to sit at his table. I have to honor him. You get it? Okay, our second chunk. Ready? 15 through 24. Anybody want to read? Huh? Yeah? When you're there, say, Madison. Hey, good. Miss her. I haven't seen her all weekend. That's all. Go ahead. <laughs> 15 through 24. What translation is that? That's fun. NASB. That's really fun. Some wit in that. Okay. Um, so the man sitting at the table recognized and understood the glory of the kingdom, but didn't, did not, uh, let me try it again. <laughs> Having a hard time talking today. The man sitting at the table understood the glory of the kingdom, but did not understand how to inherit it or get in it. Hence his question, yes, or his quote, which we'll talk about in a second. If I forget, remind me. Okay? In this parable, many people were invited. Yes? Who are the, who are the three types of people? Land, good. We just read it. Oxen, animals, livestock, and marriage. marriage. Uh-oh. Marriage. Okay. We could obviously make a huge long list of all excuses that have ever hit the Lord's ears. Yes? There would be a very, very long list. Yes? Mine would be really, really long. And it's a shame. Do we realize how important God's invitation is to us? Do we? Do we actually realize how important this was? Because what he's talking about, yes, it's a, it's a story to portray a kingdom truth. I, I get it. Yes, it's a parable. 
But do you understand how important it was to get a seat at a king's table? Back in those times. It was very important. You were very, you were, you were an honorable guest, if I can use that language. Yes? You were highly sought after. It was, it was an exciting thing for you to be invited. And hey, what's interesting is that there was two invites back then. Yes? Did you catch it? There's two invites. The first one was, hey, we're having a, we're having a banquet. And the second one was, hey, it's ready. <laughs> Dinner time. Yeah? Okay? There's two invites. And that was very, very common for that culture. And what, what kind of reading in between the lines, not too much, I promise, but reading in between the lines, they obviously said yes to the first invitation. Yes? But then when, it, when the time actually came around, it was a big fat no. What's this nodding at? Well, it's nodding. It's kind of a prophetic picture of everybody accepted Moses and all the other prophets. But then when the sun came around, they all said, eh, I'm not sure about you. We've been waiting for you, but I'm not sure about you. I, I'm longing for you. My entire religion and, and belief system is, is based on you, but I don't know about you. You get it? That's what this is nodding towards is this, well, you said yes to Moses. You said yes to all of the other prophets. True prophets. Yes? But then Jesus came around and it was like, well, I don't know. And kind of like what we talked about last week, if you were here, there was, a, there was an opportunity for the Jewish people to say yes and to be obedient in their calling, but they didn't. So then he bypassed and went to the Gentiles. The same thing's happening here. Yeah? Hello? Do you get it? Isn't this beautiful? Because this is my access into the kingdom. This is your access into the kingdom. And this obviously must be pretty important. It was so important to the master not to just say, oh, well, I guess we're just not having dinner tonight. It was so important to him to have a house full, to have a table full, that they were just grabbing people off the street. Say, hey, you want a good meal? Oh, we've got some good lamb over here. Come on, come on. Benji Bowling cook it, you know? <laughs> he, he will love that. Do you get it? He became angry, it says. That there was excuses of, oh, I've got land to go look at. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, come on. I, I got land to look at. I've got to go look at, okay, how many Canadian thistle leaves do I have in that land? Right? All of these things. I, oh, I've got, I've got to go look at my oxen, make sure that they're good, whatever that means. Oh, I got married. That's a tough one. I get it. <laughs> Madison's pretty understanding, but I don't know. She'd be like, well, are you sure? You're going to go to dinner? We just got married. <sighs> what excuses are we making to avoid God's call over our life? And this is more, I believe, than a salvation parable. This is a, hey, I'm, I'm here, Lord. I just woke up. I'm here. What excuses are we making? Oh, I don't know enough. Well, learn the word. Oh, I'm not qualified enough. Well, he's the one who qualifies the call. 
all of these different things, right? What excuses are we making? And actually, what walls are we building in place so that we can't get to the table? Because the table's set every single day. Yes? How many of you know? The table is set every single day. And it's our, he's not going to pick me up like in Sims and, and say, hey, sit down at this table, right? Sometimes I want to do that with Miller. She's like, sit down, we're going to eat. I want to eat, you're going to eat, right? What he says, hey, is I have a table set for you. The place is set. There's a name tag for you. Yes? You've got to take the walking steps and put your butt in that chair. And that takes action, not laziness. That takes actually wanting to. Some of us are like, oh man, I don't even want to. I've got, I've got other things to do. I've got a career to build, Lex. I don't want to. I get it. I understand, but sit your butt in the table. Yes? The weird part about this story is Jesus, Jesus' invites that he originally gave he, uh, that were rejected, he then pulled those invites, right? As it says in verse 24, uh, wherever that is. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. He actually receded his invite over those people, yes? And gave it elsewhere. This is the reality of dining slash banqueting with him. Who likes cold steak? What? Don't anymore. <laughs> Change it. Okay? Who likes cold chicken? Oh, frickin'. <laughs> Who likes weak old sushi? No, you don't. You die. No, you die from it. It's just sitting on the table. You're lying to me. No. No. No, you eat it overnight and you have the best, okay? You go to Sushi Den and it's good. None of this weak King Supers. I actually Don't. Don't. Nobody likes cold food. Nobody likes cold steak. Nobody likes old food. What the Lord is saying is, hey, it's hot, it's ready, and it's for the eating of someone. If you're going to reject it, I've got to find somebody else to eat it. I've got to find somebody else to banquet with me. I've got to find somebody else who wants to be with me. Think of it. Think of it. Have you ever prepared a meal for someone and they were late? Like, oh, frick, now the chicken's overcooked. Because you're late. Right? It messes up the whole meal. It delays everything or ruins everything. Instead of, hey, the banquet and the servants came, knocked on my door and said, hey, food's ready, let's go. It's almost like the limo driver pulled up to the freaking place and said, hey, let's go. I've got your bags. Get in. And then they, it was ready. But all of these people said, no, 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 no. I've got better things to do. 
Maybe yours isn't looking at land. <laughs> Maybe yours isn't checking out oxen. Maybe yours isn't marriage. What is yours? What is yours? Do you understand who I am? Right? Is that yours? That's way lesser than me. Like how insulting to say yes to an invite and then not show. Right? Do the rejection of the chosen ones, he had to go after the other ones. Which gives us permission to walk freely and sit at the table. Right? <laughs> These guys were on highways and hedges, as the ESV says it. <laughs> They're like, yeah, you guy on the hedge, let's go. You know, I don't even know what that looks like. It's such a weird picture, especially in my immature brain. Right? Like they went to such lengths and said, hey, get, let's go, let's go. He doesn't care what you look like. And it nods back, not only to the prophetic of Moses and all of the prophets, but it nods back to the first parable that he said, right? Right? The guy with the dropsy was the least honorable guest, but they still brought him there. I don't know. Again, reading in between the lines, it almost felt like a trap. Like they were trying to trick Jesus into healing the guy on Sabbath and just like, oh, we got you in a corner now, Jesus, right? Because they've done that in the past, right? And it, it alludes me to thinking that, but at the end of the day, we have to understand, we have to understand that there's either judgment of the wicked or a wedding of the lamb and his bride that we get to participate in. What's interesting is the, the phrase that that man says at the beginning of uh, this parable, where is it? 15? Blessed is everyone who will eat, uh, man. Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. That's a direct, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it, it's also said in Revelation. Revelation, what was it? It's in my notes, look at this. Revelation 19, 6 through 9, it, it, it goes after this, and it's talking about the wedding feast. Yes? So because not many of you are married here, you can't relate to this, but remember this because you'll be like, man, that will piss me off. We had invited guests who RSVP'd to our wedding, right? And it was, it was good. They were good friends of ours. They had something better to do. So we had empty seats, already paid for all their food. It's a disrespect, yeah? You get it? You get the picture of what's going on here? This is a picture into the wedding feast that the Lord is inviting us into. Yes? At the end of the age. This is the wedding feast that he's inviting us into at the end of the age, at the end of time. Yes? There's a marriage feast. We are his what? Bride, which is good news, right? Hopefully, and he's my husband. If I can say it, oh, I got, I got crucified because I said that in a message a little bit ago, and they were like, don't do that. That's romanticizing the gospel. It is romantic. I don't know what to tell you. 
It's romantic. It's a love affection that's taking place. It is. I'm his bride. Yes? Just as much as you are his bride. Yes? And he's my husband. He's coming back for me. And it's this beautiful picture of the invitation that's in front of us. But do we have something better to do? Do you have something more pressing on your plate than him? Than your own wedding? Do you? Right? Does this make sense? Are you with me? I really, really want us to stop making excuses when it comes to our call to the Lord. Whatever it might be, big, small, huge, minuscule, whatever it is, we have to stop making excuses. Because their big excuse was that it's, the timing's not convenient right now to come to your supper. The timing's not convenient to come to that feast. But at the end of the day, everything should stop when I hear him speak and when I hear his invitation. And it should stop even more. And I should plan my schedule around when I know when that feast is about to happen because the limo driver's about to knock on the door. You get it? They knew what they committed to. But their mind changed. Does this make sense? You with me? So what do we do? What do we do? Your adults figure it out. Right? Been spooed fend your whole entire life. Figure it out. You're an adult. What are you going to do? Yes or no? Get it? Make up your own application points. You're not getting them for me. Okay? Not that there's anything wrong with them. Okay. But you're adults. What's more important than him? What's more important than your husband? Okay, that's all I got. Let me pray and we'll, we'll close. Yeah? Cool. Lord, we love you. Thank you, thank you, thank you that you have invitations for us. And Lord, I pray that we would be a people that say yes and that show up and that are excited to be with you not even for the meal that we're just excited to be in the same room as you, just to be in your presence, Lord. So, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would increase our awareness to your callings, increase our ears to hear, and quicken our feet to walk as you have called us to. Lord, we love you. We just want to be good guests at your table. And we want to honor you rightly and not steal any of it from you. Yeah, Jesus' name, amen.